Good morning. My name is Michael. It's my pleasure to get to share with you this morning as we continue into our series, Known and Loved. Uh, for those of you who don't know me, I'm a recovering church planter. Uh, I am a dear friend of Joe and Chris and so many of you in this community. I've led community groups here. I've led worship. Uh, ultimately, I'm just really happy to be able to be standing, to be thankful, to be alive, to be able to share a message and to encourage others today. And so thank you for allowing me the opportunity and your attention for maybe the next 22.5 minutes. Sound good? <clears throat> uh, so let's talk about this series, Known and Loved, that we're in, right? Community is so essential for our spiritual growth. That's why we're plugging community groups right now. Right now, we are meant to thrive in community, and that's why we do it not just on Sunday mornings, but we do it throughout the week in various different ways. Whether it's in a formal community group, like what Benjamin and Tabitha are hosting, or maybe a, a men's breakfast, but also the informal conversations we get to have with friends over coffee or bagels or maybe at the gym or over a meal. Uh, our goal in this series and our goal really the last couple of years is to been, uh, continue to foster community. We want folks to be fully known. We want folks to be encouraged and we want people to know that they are sent. So to be known is to really just be known, not just by a local community, but to know that you're known by God the Father. And I realize I'm speaking to a room where there may not be Christians here. And so if you're not yet a Christian, I want you to know today, if nothing else, there is an amazing God in heaven who loves you so much, who knows you, who wants you to know him, and wants to be in community with you. If you leave here with nothing else today and a good cup of coffee, know that God loves you. Number two, we're talking about being encouraged, about being challenged in the reality of what it's like to walk out your faith, but also in times of adversity. I think a few of us here might know what that is like. And then also to be sent, to know that we are not called to be complacent, we're not called to be idle, we are called to be active, moving, and engaged. Chris kicked us off by sharing about what it really means to be deeply known. If you didn't get a chance to see that or weren't here on Sunday morning, you can find them on our online YouTube. I'm also told right now that our online component is dealing with some technical difficulties, not of our own demise. Uh, so you will be able to listen to all of our sermons probably about two hours after the Sunday morning gathering. So if you're one of those folks that likes to listen while you're doing other things. Last week, Drew talked to us about the stages of being known and, and really the important thing about when our masks come off. When we take off the mask and the light of God shines into us and shines the truth about Christ deep into our hearts. And it's there, there that I want to pick up our journey in this series and shift our focus to encouraged. I believe that there is a scarcity of encouragement, and I believe that a scarcity of encouragement can be a crisis to your soul. Can you remember a time when you really needed encouragement and you didn't receive it? Unfortunately, I think all of us in this room know what that feels like. But what does it mean to be encouraged? What, what does that mean? Well, Mr. Webster tells us that encouragement is the action of giving hope. It's giving support. It's giving someone confidence. It could be used manipulatively or persuasively to get somebody to do something. Parenting. Um, or it could be the act of trying to stimulate the development of something in someone else. You see something God sees something in you and he wants to call it forward. What's it mean in the context of our Christian faith? What's it look like? How is it delivered? Well, I think encouragement runs dry sometimes because as a people, as a community, as a culture, we fail to prioritize how important it is to give encouragement. 
Still, some of us fail to encourage one another because we don't know how to do it biblically. We don't know what that looks like. We assume that encouragement is merely some kind words, maybe some pithy statement, maybe some comfort or affirmation, something to make you feel better in the moment. But what our souls really need is they need to hear something that's going to deepen our faith, challenge our beliefs, and call us forward in the life that God has created us for, to deepen our encouragement and hope and confidence in Christ. So to encourage is to give courage. It's really to impart courage upon someone. It's not simply to console or to compliment. It's certainly not to flatter. Certainly not to flatter. But to strengthen your heart for risk or for adversity. Everybody, Christian, not yet Christian, needs a steady stream of courage to endure suffering. In fact, I don't know how you get through this life without a faith in God the Father, and the life that is to come. I don't, and I've been to the brink of death, so like, I've, I've lived it. I, it's hard, to, I can't fathom it. We need the strength of God, we need the courage of God to face temptation, to be sacrificial in love, to be generous, to embrace discipline, to persevere in ministry, to trust and to obey God. And we won't survive long on the light, pithy, well-meaning, superficial inspirations that sell books and podcasts. We don't need our hearts more filled with self. What we need are hearts that are regularly inflamed with God. We need soul-anchoring, heart-stirring, love-unleashing encouragement. And we need it desperately now. So my goal this morning is to give us some ideas on how to give encouragement, how to share encouragement, and how I've seen it in the context of community, not just as a church, but as a small group. And so I would say it comes down to the three Ps. Like a good Baptist-trained pastor, I've got a three-point sermon for you this morning. So get ready, buckle up. Here they are, up in order, on the screen. <clears throat> how do you encourage one another? Number one, purpose. What's your purpose in encouraging somebody? Number two, are you practicing presence? And then number three, is it rooted in praise? Not praise of another, but praise of him by whom which all things flow. <clears throat> Let me tell you a story, because I believe everything in life relates back to a story, a movie quote, or a song. In another life, I was in the Navy. I spent 15 years in the Navy as a medic. After seven years of working in cancer and as an operating room technician, I decided to do something crazy and go to dive school. In 2002, this country was in kind of a crazy spot, and Afghanistan was landlocked, and so I chose to go to Navy dive school. Think about that for a second, ladies and gentlemen. Afghanistan was landlocked. I went to dive school to get into the water. Uh, dive school is one of the most challenging uh, volunteer opportunities that the Navy offers. It ranks right up there with SEALs, EOD, SWIC. It's an all-volunteer program where 70% of the people who apply fail. And so there's always a weeding out phase. We're probably about four or five weeks in. We're still wearing white t-shirts with our names stenciled on it. We hadn't finished pool week yet. And it's in the morning, and we're doing PT, AKA physical exercise, physical training. And so I'm in the back row. I'm not feeling it that day. I'm trying to mail it in. I'm not really doing my push-ups. I kind of look like I'm moving, doing the chicken neck. 
Unbeknownst to me, somebody is walking behind me, one of the instructors. We had an instructor, Clever, of four, and so you never knew where those guys were at. They were so sneaky. God bless those men. <clears throat> I don't know that he's behind me. He walks up behind me. He looks down, and he says, DeSelm, hmm, why don't you just quit now? You clearly don't want to be here. You're not doing the work. Why don't you just DOR? Drop on request. That was just what I needed. If there's anything to get me going in this world, it's to tell me I can't do something, because now I have all the motivation I need. I will give my last breath to prove to you I can. That's got something God's working on in my heart, too. <laughs> Seriously. Challenge accepted. Um, that man's name was Cliff Marin. He was a whole technician. He was a chief. And he knew exactly what he was doing. Some weeks later, after I made it through pool week and our class of 42 had been whittled down to 17, we had a big barbecue on the beach. It's Panama City. It's May. Enough said. And so I remember going up to Chief Marin. And I said, hey, Chief, uh, remember that day in PT? You kind of just told me to drop it and go. And he's like, yep. Did you know what you were doing? He's like, yep. Why'd you do that? Because I knew that either it would break you and you would quit, or that thing that I saw in you would come forward, and you would move and rise to what I believe you were called to do. I didn't know this at the time, but Cliff Moran was a man of faith. And I believe that his faith informed his view of others, even folks like me who didn't have faith at that time. I can't say for certain, but I suspect that Chief Marin was able to do this, have this manipulative but motivating encouragement, because his soul was filled with the words of Jesus. He spent time marinating in the word of God. Which brings me to my very first point today. My question for you is that place in your soul where you, encourage, where you give encouragement. What are you filling it with? If you're someone who takes notes or jots things down with your thumbs, maybe this is something you want to write down and think about later. That place in your soul where you offer encouragement to others, what do you fill it with? Because I would argue that you can't fill others from an empty cup. <clears throat> you can't fill others with an empty cup. Let's leave this up here for a second. This isn't to say that God doesn't sustain and use us when we are drained. We are broken vessels. We are imperfect vessels trying to deliver a perfect message. And when we are spent and we think we have nothing to give, sometimes God gives us that miraculous strength that we need to keep going forward. But that's not what I'm saying here. What I'm saying is that when we make time to spend with the Lord, in his word, time in worship, time in praise, when we do these things to be known by God and to know him better, it strengthens our bond with the Lord. And then we are prepared to offer a good word for those whom God places in our path at just the right time. Because life is full of series of interruptions. When you're interrupted, are you willing to pour the word of God out upon those whom God has placed in your path? You can't fill others from an empty cup. This is not bad theology. This is good practice, ladies and gentlemen. So let's take a moment to look at three ways that we dive into encouragement. We're going to go back to the three Ps, purpose, presence, and praise. 
Just as the author of Ecclesiastes says that there's a time for all things, right? Time to reap, time to sow, time to harvest. There's also a time and purpose for all things. There is a time to call forward that which you see in someone else. There is a time to lend your strength to someone who is weak in the knees. And there are times, your parents better know this, to correct, yes? But we need to be corrected as adults too. It's part of our walk. The author of Hebrews in chapter 3, verses 12 and 13, he says this, See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. Encourage one another daily, as long as it's called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Sin is sneaky. It's insidious. It's dressed in plain clothing. Sin, missing the mark, not doing, living in, walking accordance to what God has called us to. The law reminds us where sin is, and grace calls us back to live in relationship. Once you taste sin, it's like a sugar. It lessens your flavor for all other things, and you just want that sweet tooth time and time again. It's addicting. It lessens the taste of the things that are good for us. And it's because of this that we must always be on guard, that we must be prepared to send sin back where it belongs, to sit in the, in the challenge of sin's advance and give rebuke and push back. When we live in community, when we allow ourselves to be known and to know others, we allow iron to sharpen iron. We allow ourselves to be called on the carpet when we're stepping out of bounds. I have a number of you in, in this room today that I have spent time having my iron sharpened and I sharpening yours. Whether it has been in context of community group, premarital coaching, walking in life at men's breakfasts, playing in a band with you, or just doing life. My life is richer because of your involvement in it. Community's purpose is to encourage. So Christian, beware. Beware. We are not meant to be islands in the sun. We are meant to live in community. Also, beware. Those who don't think about their own sin make up for it by thinking incessantly about the sins of others. There's always that one person that pushed me away from faith when I was younger. This idea that the church, all it did was point its bony finger of contempt and call out without having any relational investment in me, the person, to understand my story, my trauma, where I've gone, what I've done, where I'm going. So I implore you, Christian, in this room today, be not judgmental. Be aware. And if you've paid the emotional rent, you've paid the relational rent to speak into somebody's life, and they've given you that permission, by all means, call on the carpet. But if you don't know them from Adam, your words fall like a clanging gong. Don't be quick to correct those whom you aren't walking with. It serves more detriment in my experience. I could be wrong. This is just my personal story. But are you prepared to admonish? Are you prepared to correct and encourage your brother or your sister who you know? Are you willing yourself to be corrected, to be admonished? It's no secret that Chris and I spend a lot of time in the gym on, in the morning. We spend a lot of time correcting each other. 
Sometimes good, sometimes bad. Sometimes it's, hey, that's bad form. You're going to hurt your back again. Me. <laughs> and sometimes it's, hey, that's a good word. Be strong and courageous. This is the legacy that God has written for you. This is the words given to me this morning. Its purpose is to encourage, right? All of this life is a dress rehearsal for the life to come, and it's critically important that our hearts be sealed with the blood of Christ, that our resolve be focused, that our desire for Christian intimacy with God the Father through Christ the Son be fortified, and that is done in community. The purpose of encouragement is the purpose of this uh, encouragement's purpose is to create community and draw, draw us close. The author of P Corinthians, Paul, he writes this to his friends. He says, don't lose heart, for though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing us for the eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. Look not to the things that are seen, but the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. The purpose of community is to draw us to that eternal. The purpose of encouragement is to point us to eternal. Our second point this morning, presence. Uh, if, how many of you, just out of curiosity, you're familiar with the story of Job in the Old Testament? Quick show of hands. No shame. If you don't know the story of Job, here it is. Job was a righteous dude, kind of like Ferris Bueller. Job was chosen to endure trial, temptation. God says to Satan, have you considered my, my servant Job? So he loses his wife, he loses his farm, he loses his family, he loses his kids, he loses everything. And his wife says, why don't you just curse God and die? And he says, no. I will stay faithful to my friend to my, my friend in heaven, God the Father. And then Job comes and sits in this grieving sorrow. He had three friends that came and gathered around him. Now that was great. If you know the story of Job, I think you know where I'm going with this. It was great that Job had friends come and gather around him. I've been in this room, I've been around some of you where you have lost loved ones, where you have been around times of trial and gone through adversity, and I don't have the words to say, but dagnabbit, I can sit with you. If nothing else, I can give you my presence, because my presence is a gift. Not my presence, but your presence. Being present with someone is a gift. Job's friends, their purpose was good. It was to comfort and strengthen a friend. Their presence was good. It was community in a time of loss. But their advice and their commentary, <coughs> it leaves something to be desired. And I wonder what they were filling their cup with because I don't think they were filling their cup with the things of God. But consider this, when Paul writes this to a letter of his friends in Rome, he says, I long to see you so that I can impart some spiritual gift to make you strong. That is, that you and I might be mutually what? Encouraged by what? Each other's faith. Purpose shifts to presence. I want to be with you so that I might impart something to you, but also that I might be mutually edified by the goodness and the good things that God is working in your life. Our purpose leads to the presence. And when we get to be in the presence, there, like I said, there's no greater gift you can give. 
challenge was uh, put out earlier in this sermon series by Chris and then followed up by Drew to quote C.S. Lewis. And so I found something that was apropos for this week. <laughs> Hear me out. C.S. Lewis, good friend of J.R.R. Tolkien, says, Friendship is unnecessary, like philosophy, like art, like the universe itself. It has no survival value. Rather, it is one of those things which give value to survival. Friendship has no value in survival, which I would argue is wrong because we're two or three are gathered, right? Quarter three strands, not easily broken. That's friendship. But it gives value to our existence. It gives value. Our relationship with God the Father is our salvation through Christ the Son. But it's our relationship with others that give us the added value. How can you comfort the sorrowful? How can you compel the complacent and fortify the faithful without adding value to your pre by, with your presence? When we lift up each other without being in community, it's like house built on shifting sands. It just doesn't last. It's that pithy, quick, hey, here's something to make you feel good. Deuces, I'm out. Presence is a gift. It's the most important thing that you're given. It is a commodity that you spend from a bank that you can never restore. And once it's gone, it's gone. And if you've had the blessing to look your, your mortality in the face, you realize just how good a gift your time and your presence is. Because you don't know what comes next. So let's shift it to praise. We've talked about purpose. We've talked about presence. Let's talk about my favorite part. Praise. A couple weeks back, I had a friend join us here at church at Riverbend. He's not a Christian. In fact, far from it. I spend a lot of time with him. Chris spends a lot of time with him. Keith spends a lot of time with him. We're trying to show him the ways of Christ. We're trying to practice presence and purpose of encouragement. And as we're driving home on Sunday, he looks at me and he says, are all churches so singy? <laughs> and I'm not going to lie, we had a very inspired worship set that morning. And it's beautiful. And, and as a recovering worship leader, I will tell you, there's nothing more edifying than hearing the voices of your body lifted up, on key and off key. I'm happy to get you a bucket if you need to carry a tune, but it's lifting up our voices that is so beautiful. And, and I told him, I said, yes, we're a singing church. And the reason for that is because when we pour out our praise, we are encouraging each other. When we pour out our praise, we are not just adoring, but our cup is being filled. When we pour out our praise, we're pointing everything to He which everything originates from. Isaiah 42.10, he says, Sing to the Lord a new song, His praise from the ends of the earth, you who go down to the sea and all that is in it, you islands and all who live in them. Sing to the Lord a new song. Countless psalm is talking about singing and raising our voices lest the rocks cry out. Singing for me has always been one of the most effective ways for me to channel my emotion, to steal my resolve, and also to acknowledge my affliction. When I sing songs, whether in corporate worship or in private reflection, it's one of the many ways that I get to give praise to the Lord. And I love those quiet moments when I can sing a song and weep 
and just release. Not just because of the pain or the anger or the hurt that I'm feeling, but because of the beauty of what restoration looks like. Because of the beauty of what he's called me forward to in giving and living a life of service for others. Encouragement comes to console and strengthen those who are grieving, and it is a light under the fire of the sleepy, idle person. I encourage you to strap on a breastplate, put on your helmet, arm yourselves for battle, take action, because that is a way to live out your praise. It's a way to praise the Lord in obedience. Those who sleep through the war that we are living on this earth right now as, as sojourners, we're destined for wrath, but those who are, who are awake, those who the Lord awakens, will inherit the kingdom of God. Again, in Thessalonians, Paul writes this, Since we belong to the day, let us be sober, putting on faith and love as a breastplate and hope of salvation as a helmet. For God didn't appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Christ Jesus. He died for us that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up, just in fact as you are doing. When the early church started getting together, what did they do? They broke bread in each other's homes and they sang songs. They sang hymns of the Old Testament of, of, in the Psalms. That is what we are to do. Now, I don't know that you do that in a community group, but there are community groups that I've been a part of where we do, where we break bread every, every time and we have communion, we have those moments. There are community groups where it's just that quiet presence. But it's all a form of praise. Worship is not just getting up here and singing a song. Worship is the way that we live our lives, the way that we engage the world around us. It's the way that we think, live, breathe, and move the Word of God. And so when I think about what is the purpose, what is the purpose? Encourage one another. Build each other up. Awaken the sleepy. Compel the complacent. Call others forward in faith. Spur the idle hand to action. Receive the good work that God has given you to do and do it with all your heart. And do it like you're working for the Lord, not for the people around you. Remind each other of what's at stake and just how serious this eternal thing is. These moments that we let slip by, watching football and you know, drinking coffee and buying shoes online. I'm not saying that those aren't things that we should do, but I'm like, think about why you're doing it. I believe football can be a way of community. I even think shopping can be a way of community. <laughs> Humor aside, be mindful. It's in those moments, it's in those things, especially those of us who are men, it's hard for us to figure out how to talk about our emotions without doing something. Find ways to do things together so that those words of encouragement might show because you're in the context of community. Take up the whole armor of God that you might be able to withstand the day, having done all that you can to stand firm, encouraged in what the Lord has called you to do. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we love you. It is... It is a treat to get to be in your presence. It is what makes life sweet. It's what makes things worth. It's also what sustains us. Lord, I pray that you would sanctify us through and through. 
that you would make our spirit whole, that you would strengthen our bodies and help us to be blameless, help us to be ready for the time when Christ arrives, encouraging each other as long as it is today. Help us to be faithful in that which you've placed in our charge. We love you. We praise you in the perfect name of Christ. And I invite everybody to say, Amen.